welcome to a brand new episode of the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lily Cox. And I'm Nikki Pope. And this week we're talking business and discussing some key steps that will help you to simplify your business and grow. We have a couple of guests with us today who are going to help steer the conversation to give you some ideas and some pointers that hopefully you can relate to your own businesses. Our first guest this afternoon is Linton Husbands. Linton has spent most of his career in the hairdressing industry, working on the manufacturing side, and in the last seven years particularly is MD for Group Momentum, a company that owns a number of well-known hairdressing brands. So, Linton, welcome Thank to the you. table. <laughs> Delighted to be here, thanks. Great. And joining Linton is his great friend and a long-time business colleague, Russell Barker, who is the former business and operations director for Mahogany Hairdressing. He brings 30 years of experience to the table and was with Mahogany from the very beginning, from day one up to the point where they employed more than 120 members of staff and built up an internationally recognised brand. So welcome. Linton, welcome to, welcome to you both. Yes, <laughs> I should say that. <laughs> it would be really interesting to hear what you think on the subject of small businesses and Russell, your particular experience of working with hairdressing small businesses and the challenges they face. Lots of salons have grown organically over the years so there's a few people who have not really looked at making their business simple so if they're not very careful they end up firefighting situations rather than planning ahead in advance to see what they can do to make their business good. No I agree and I think that um, how important then is it that you need to build in a strategy from the outset or can you rectify it if you are finding yourself firefighting too much? I think you can rectify it but at some point you have to say to yourself I need to take a little bit of a step back and have a look at these areas and do I have the right systems in place? Have I got the right staff handbook? Have I got the right attitude to what my staff are doing? Am I looking at it as somebody who's running their own business or am I allowing the business to run myself? It's interesting you mentioned that a lot of salons grow organically and so that's maybe why they haven't got some of these systems in place. But I know that you were with Mahogany from day one. What was your vision for Mahogany from the off? Did you always expect it to expand the way it had or or was that, as you say, slightly kind of organic? Um, That was slightly organic in a way because I started as a hairdresser. And so we, were, we had a salon in central Oxford. Then after a couple of years, we opened a second salon. Then after that, we moved and we opened a third salon, which was in Bath, which was that particular time in the 1980s was a very good time to be in Bath. And, and again, we reached a point and we reached a certain size where we were running around everywhere and not really addressing things that were the right sort of things, given the size we'd grown to. Russell, I know that you've... Um, recently, as I say, been doing consultancy with um, some smaller groups of salons. The sorts of, of challenges that they have and that they're coming up with, have you already seen those or do you think these challenges are fresh? Um, and I'm looking at certainly at the moment when we're seeing increasing costs, for instance, with rates, with minimum wage, with um, the pensions. Some of these are quite new things to the industry, or in fact, to industry as a whole. But some of the things that you've seen repeating themselves, what, what are those key things that you, that you feel somebody can say, yep, if I focused on those, I would have a more profitable business? I think the key things that don't get focused on, particularly are 
what exactly are my basic structural costs of the business. And a lot of people, quite rightly, are concentrating on the hairdressing and the standards of hairdressing and not necessarily going into some of the details of the costs. So sometimes they're having to rely on their accountant to give them information. And let's face it, accountants are very good, as bank managers are very good, but they're essentially not running your business. You are running your business. Do you find though that people are tending to hand it over to the accountant to, for somebody else to run that side of the business, the business side of their side? I think they're looking to those people to give them the information and then they're sometimes not quite sure how to digest that information and what exactly to do with it. So they tend to sort of park it on one side a little bit and keep hoping things will just carry on okay. So is it things like the the basic break-even levels that you think that salon owners, salon owners need to know? So what they're spending every month on wages, what their rent is, those kind of things, or something more specific than Absolutely. that? Absolutely. If you look at any of the the bigger salon groups, and I'm talking about Mahogany in particular here, but bigger salon groups, they always have somebody who is in control of that side of the business. And what we found was if somebody's in control of that side of the business, it then allows the hairdressers to do what they're really good at, which is hairdressing. And Linton then, with Group Momentum, when you've acquired or, or taken on um, a new group, is that something that you also find that that's what you can bring to the table is better financial planning or awareness of the need to be well sure Qu quite often what happens is that when we acquire a business it's because the owner is looking to exit through the business either that because they want to get out and do something different or they're quite often retirement planning and what we find is with the well-run businesses most of these structures are in place however of course as we take them over we fine-tune it in most cases. I would say salons with three to five and more, uh, businesses rather, with three to five salons or more, generally speaking, will have a good structure in place. Yeah. Um, and what they will, the owner will have done is stepped away from doing the hairdressing. And referring back to what Russell said earlier on, they make a conscious decision to work on the business rather than in the business. And I see that being a great difficulty for a lot of people to do because coming back to the pressures we're in at the moment, if those takings are seen to go down when they step back, the, the natural response is to jump back in, yeah. all hands to the bumps, I'll do some hairdressing. Yeah. And whilst that is a natural thing that you wish to do, it can actually become quite counterproductive. Yeah. And over the years, so you've got a long history in hairdressing, well, you both have a long history in hairdressing, but um, your history, Linton, has, um, you know, heading up big manufacturing groups where you obviously have clients of all shapes and sizes have you is this something that happens all the time or is it more to people get more exposed at you know when the economy does different things I suppose um, if we look back since 2008-9 when we talk about you know where the banks went bust yeah. and, and, and things yeah. became difficult actually we didn't see that immediately in this industry it seems to be six months behind six to twelve months behind and so what we found, and I was uh, in the manufacturing side at that time, is that client spend was starting to decrease. And that was a direct reflection of actually that their business was decreasing. Right. Um, and that's the time where help is needed. However, if perhaps they could have done some planning before that, and going back to Russell's point of having some good systems and structures in place, yeah. and quite often people will say to us, oh, we have all of those. But when you interrogate them, 
<laughs> they don't, in fact, have them all. Yeah. They may have bits of it, and quite often people are subconsciously doing things, but they're not really structured. Right. So when it comes to acquiring um, another stylist or another business and it expands, it's quite often at that point that people are at a crossroads as to where they want to go and what they want to do. Yeah. So it's interesting, this idea then, because I would have thought, you know, to grow, you might need to make your business more complex, but you believe, Russell, that it, you I, simplify in order to I grow. Think, I think simplification is very important. And one of the other reasons I think it's important is that you... That, that running a business, especially if you're on your own running a business, can be quite a lonely job. Mm, yeah. And the other thing that I think it does by putting certain procedures in place and certain standards of certain things, it brings clarity to your staff. Right. And it gives them direction as well. Yeah. And I think it's really important to remember that you run your business. You own your business. You can listen to your staff, which is always very important, but you have to put yourself in their shoes as well. But in my experiences, if you bring clarity to a situation, it just makes life so much easier for everybody. And so is there, how do you start then? Is there a formula or are there the sort of seven no, key things? You, or what, you, where would you start well, with a, a I think a, I think a, you need to look at your own headset to start with, really, and, and your own mindset on what these things are. But I think a good starting point is when you're not in your business, is it running to the standards you want it to run? Right, good point. And then from there, you can take a step back and think, well, if it isn't, or you're not quite sure, then you can bring in certain procedures, as hotels and restaurants do, where they have standard operating procedures, so that everybody is, to coin a phrase, singing from the same hymn sheet. Right. Mm. Yes, good point. That was what I picked up from Russell. Um, when I uh, moved from the manufacturer's side, as you say, six years ago, in, in Group Momentum, whilst I've, I've already said that we acquired businesses and they had structure in place, each of those structures was different. And you could say, yes, well, there will be nuances, but they were quite dramatically different. Right. And so that was why I um, contacted Russell and said to him, you know, will you give me some consultancy on this? I need to know which is the right path. You've run a successful business. And things like health and safety, HR, uh, operations manuals, procedure manuals, even down to the way people dress, if you say you're, you can wear black, well, is that black torn jeans? And I know you might find people sitting there, well, of course it isn't. But yeah. I think what Russell, you know, is saying is give, if there's absolute clarity, yeah. um, and one thing I picked up from someone was to say, when they come and say, oh, well, I didn't know about these jeans, or can I wear those, or, or can we do this? And some of the times that can be quite awkward. If you have a composite handbook and an operations manual, you can sort of flick through and say, refer to chapter two, page seven, <laughs> yeah. and all the answers yeah. are in there. Okay. It yeah. tells them. So actually what that does, it prevents you from having either difficult conversation yeah. or certainly any altercation with somebody that you don't yeah. perhaps want to have or you're very close and that can become yeah. difficult to manage. And, and maybe a sense of security. I mean, people feel safer when they know the parameters of things to some degree. You know, if they, if they believe that you running the, the business is to, are totally in charge and you have, you're not flying by the seat of your pants, then it makes your staff feel better, oh, I would Otherwise, they should be running the business for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. Yeah. And, and I can relate to this because these are all very simple things that take a bit of thought and they do need putting in place. Mm. I mean, Linda is quite correct. I mean, I, I was advising a salon not long ago and they told me this long story about somebody they got working for them who insists on wearing a T-shirt 
that they do not think of as acceptable. So I said, well, what's your, what's your dress code policy? Mm. And they said, oh, it's black. And I said, no, 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 that's, that's not a dress code policy. That's yeah. just an idea. Yeah. Yeah. You need to actually put down, do they wear black jeans? Can they wear black ripped jeans? Yeah. Can they wear slogans on T-shirts? All sorts of things like that. And it doesn't have to be exhausting, no. but you need to know what it is. Yeah. And once you set those things in place, your staff then know what the parameters are and they will appreciate that. The yeah. boundaries. It's tough, you know, as a small business ourselves, it can seem a bit overwhelming to have to sit and write a manual when there's only, you know, fewer than 10 staff, I suppose, but I can see the merit in it. But well, instinctively you think, oh, no, I don't want too many rules and regulations. I want it all to be happy. And yeah. But uh, going back to what you said about giving structure, and I've learned through bitter experience when you go into different groups, um, what happens is that certainly when groups are acquired or, or you, you extend and you uh, get people from outside into a new salon, um, they become, all of a sudden, they sort of re-engage with the brand that they've been working for for so many years, and all of a yeah. sudden they were the best, or they are the best brand. Yeah. And so it's that implementation as well that I, I think has to be handled, or the execution of this has to be handled well. And quite often, if you can give people a reason as to why you're doing this, and you're doing it because you want them to have clarity of purpose, and ultimately it is all about the client. You're doing it for the reason that you're attracting a particular client or set of clients that you wish to come over your salon door or yeah. and into your environment. And if you can demonstrate that by doing certain things and running it in a particular way, we will get busier. We are right. going to attract, this is, if you put the client at the centre of what you're doing, if you scope this out on a piece of paper and you put C for the client in a circle in the middle of the paper, and then said, okay, so everything we do focuses in on that client. Yeah. Even down as Russell was saying to the dress code, how you answer the phone. We had at one stage 20 something salons and they would each answer the phone differently. Yeah. And so if a client rang up and thought it was, say, we'll, we'll, for, for sake of argument, we'll call it um, Salon Russell. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we've got six Salon Russells. If Salon Russell just answers the phone and says, hello, Salon Russell, is that Salon Russell mahogany, or sorry, Salon Russell in um, Oxford, or is it in London? Yeah. And that might be a small thing, but for a client, they can then start to feel very quickly uncomfortable. Yeah. So if you can right show place. why you're doing these things, mm. and it is to grow a business, it does work. But I say you really do need to understand why, and it's not just rules for the sake of rules. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's how, you, how you deliver it to the staff as well that's important because it is very much a case of making their life simpler so that they can concentrate on hairdressing. The worst case scenario is if you've got a set of guidelines or rules or whatever you want to call them and you use those as a stick to beat people with and just say, well, here it is, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work like that. You have to deliver it in such a way that you've got everybody understanding that this is to get a consistent level of service and hairdressing throughout the whole of yeah. your organisation. Now, you quite rightly make the point, well, if you've only got 10 staff, is that necessary taking this time out? Well, it's necessary if you want to expand. Yeah. Because yeah. the problem becomes really is how your business operates when you're not there. And yeah. that's the key focus of what you need. Right. Okay, so that's, what other things might we look at? So how does it operate when you're not there? What yes. other areas help with this, the simplification 
Well, I think you need to look at various aspects. I think every salon should have a good operating manual so that they know the value of the clients and how clients are dealt with as well. Right. Okay. Because as Linton says, if you don't, you've got lots of people doing lots of different things. I mean, certainly in Mahogany, we used to have a receptionist manual so that all of our receptionists acted in the same way. Right. So that if one receptionist had to go and cover one of the other salons, she would know exactly what, what was expected. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's the, it's the expectation against delivery that is a very important aspect of what you're looking at. And, you know, salons that don't have a clear policy on where the consultation actually happens and starts with. I mean, running salons is a very simple thing of delivering the expectations of a client that comes in consistently time after time after time so that they get the same standard of hairdressing and service every time they come in because let's face it in this market they can go somewhere else yeah yeah so people need to know what it is they're getting i think it is an important point that russell's making there um in terms of that delivery of service because i know if i take myself as being the non-hairdresser here and in um, the discussion with russell as, as the hairdresser is to say that your average, an average client, I certainly, perhaps I would know a good haircut now from a bad haircut within the industry, <laughs> yeah. but you the average, so. you hope so, <laughs> but the average client doesn't, I don't think, they really don't. Um, from a personal point of view, we've lived all over the place and each, I, I hate it when we move to another town, another country, and my wife will say, where should I go for a haircut? Where should yeah. I go for my colour? And I think, oh no, what is going to be delivered against her expectation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but quite often it's not the end result She's never had, thankfully, there's never been a disaster, but yeah. it's, it's actually the service, the way, yeah, the that, that first point of contact, you know, when you answer the phone, how many rings, if it is going to ring and ring and ring, do you then go on to an answer phone, then that throws up another lot of questions, how quickly do you answer that within mm. so many hours, mm. all of those things, whilst we think, oh, it's just a phone, it's, we're really busy, we need a receptionist, if you have that system and process in place, then that you're managing that client's yeah. expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember two things that struck me very much when I used to watch those Gordon Ramsay programmes mm-hmm. when he was in the UK and he used to go in and the first two things he used to do in those pubs, good pubs or restaurants. Yeah, Kitchen Nightmares I think it was, called. Yeah. it was called. He used to simplify the menu. So you say to people, yes. well, why have you got six chicken dishes on the menu? Yeah. You only need one, yeah. one meat, one fish, one chicken, one vegetarian. Simplify the menu, and the other important thing he always used to do, he used to stop the staff when they got to the end of their shift sitting at the bar drinking. Because he said, your, per- your people, your customers, your clients are looking at it in a very different way from your staff. Yeah. And it's about putting yourself in a client's shoes so that they can see what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And that can be quite hard at yeah. times. I think it's so important to look at, and Nikki and I do this a lot with our business anyway, to look at other industries all the time to see how they adapt their services and things like that, to, to get ideas, I suppose, to borrow from other industries and looking at the restaurant business, which is obviously a very yeah, service-related you know, industry. If you're very inward-looking and just get ideas from your own, you can be quite isolated mm, I think or quite insular but what I was going to say um, a moment ago was that I know we've discussed a lot about perhaps things that salons need to be doing more you know putting these procedures in place putting dress codes in place perhaps checking their finances to see really where they're at and what their break-evens are and these are things that probably many salons need to do but what are the kind of 
issues that salons believe that they're having when they come to you, Russell? What are they reaching out for rather than what they need to do? What I think are they that's a very interesting you? question because what, the, the people that I've experienced recently over the last six months have all come knowing they need some help, but they don't really know what it is. Fine. And that's part of organic growth. Yeah. Is that you grow to a certain size and you think, oh, maybe if I open another salon, I'll double my profit. Yeah. Well, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know? yeah. And um, I, I know I need to, to, to sort things out and there's issues here and there's issues there. And it's trying to get people to take that step back from the firefighting of going in every morning thinking, oh, I've got to finish sorting that out and didn't quite do that and I didn't quite do this and mm. then this problem comes up during the day. And they're probably dealing with clients all day as well. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. they're, they're doing that. And actually looking at it in advance... So some of these things, again, they're not, they're all part of the service industry that you are trying to deliver, and that then gets reflected in the bottom line of what profit you can make, as well as looking at your costs. Mm-hmm. So the two things go hand in hand between the hairdresser and being a business person. For you, Linton, I know you mentioned earlier that I think it's 26 um, salon brands that are within yes, your, yeah. your umbrella company. What kind of issues are they having? Is it is it the same kind of thing, or do you have anything more specific that you're noticing from them? I would say, and and this this isn't to to dampen people's spirits, but I do think at the moment our industry is in what I would call a perfect storm. When we talk about all the commercial pressures that Russell has mentioned, then you start to look at what's happening within the manufacturing side of things, um, who's coming into the market. Uh, who's dominating the market. You mentioned Nick about um, education. Where is that going? What we are finding is that we are being pushed to more online education mm-hmm. through manufacturers. Now that's fine for the manufacturer, but of course in hairdressing, people don't want to sit and watch a video for an hour. No. They want hands-on application. They want hands-on support. Now we are fortunate that we are getting that, but I fear for a lot of the smaller groups who may be told in future, your education is online. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that will pan out, but it is a challenge that we have to look at. And we start to think about it now and say, right, well, in the future, we're going to start slowly feeding this in. Yes, we may send people on seminars or we may get people, manufacturers, support coming into the salon. But is it something that we're going to start feeding in as part of our induction programme with new yeah. people? Mm-hmm. And certainly with the younger generation who are constantly using phones, using all sorts of methods with social media, YouTube, etc. If they're already using that and they're used to it, then can we introduce this as part of it, as part of life, so that this uh, lifelong learning, continuous learning is happening? And if we can get that with the generation that's coming through, then in five years' time we don't have an issue. And going back to what Russell was saying about think ahead, if we see these as, oh, it's a huge challenge, what am I going to do? Again, sit down, put that in the middle of the piece of paper. What can we do in a positive way? Yeah, Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear at the moment about change and going online and education online and social media that sort of blends with that. And I think uh, you're right to say, to try and turn that to to a positive approach. Even if you're worried it's not going to be a positive thing, at least try and approach it. Well, yes, I think action. Um, when you say uh, a lot of people, of course, we are, naturally the vast majority of us are fearful of change because what will that change bring? And I do have a phrase where we say, 
change is gain. Mm. If we look at a mobile phone of 20 years ago, it was the size of a small house brick or a yeah. large house yeah, brick. Yeah. It had to Heavy have an aerial. Brick, yeah. It lasted three minutes. If we look at where we are now with social media, where would we be now 20 years? Because that's a positive change. Yeah. Yeah. And all these other areas, if we, for instance, turn the education thing on its head, how much access can we now get mm. to education that we didn't have? It's not just any longer the manufacturer's education we can get. It's yeah. people within the industry that yeah. we can get. So we can get any hairdressing icon, we can get them up on YouTube and see what they're doing. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened even five years no. ago. And I think it's a good way of actually challenging some of the brand's you know, desire to be... I think they're confused because they're not quite sure where they fit in now and they were controlling things and controlling the creativity of the industry um, and you know, creating products and saying, now we've made this, now you go and use it perhaps... Whereas it ought to be more about this is what we want, make it. And, and also we've all, all been in that situation, I'm sure, where you have that first flush where somebody senior hands in their notice and you think, oh dear, what are we going to do now? Just oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, between myself and my colleagues, very quickly we turn that around think, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here to promote yeah. somebody else, bring somebody else through, change something. Restructure maybe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and there's always that. So yeah. there's the initial reaction and then there's what you can planning forward. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, Russell, um, and hopefully this won't sound too much of um, an innuendo, but what, oh <laughs> what is the most joy that you can to bring to a small business when they sort of you know you've made contact you're work, working with them they're aware that something needs to happen and they're not quite sure what what is it that you find you can not an instant fix but like they you know it's a joyful thing you think god I didn't know I could do that and look at what I've gained from it do, do you know what it's, it's really simple the most joy I found is somebody to talk to right somebody who to talk to who actually understands their business yeah because as I alluded to earlier People, people go to other places, so you, they might go and have a chat with their bank manager. But their bank manager isn't running a business, In he's running yeah. a bank. Yeah. He doesn't know hairdressing You go and talk to an accountant, an accountant is an accountant. Mm. Right? These are all useful people for bits of advice, but if you actually go to somebody who's run a business, and in particular a hairdressing business, you get very practical things. But I wanted to come back to, we talked about manufacturers before, um, and I wonder whether, do you think that they are doing enough now to support their smaller businesses? Do you think that they're, they're helping? Or because Nikki mentioned that some, they maybe have lost their way a little bit. Um, I can't speak for the smaller salons. I can only speak for ourselves. Um, we get a, a good level of support, a high degree of support. And I guess that's because of the size of business we have. Going back to what I said before, I think there is... There's lots out there, um, and I think quite often what happens is, again, it's working in the business, you can't see what's around you. There's, mm. You're focused, fully focused on every day in making sure those clients come in, that you've done those clients, that everybody's achieved what they've set out to achieve, and quite often, um, it's, it's that old expression, you're, you're firefighting. Yeah. Um, and if you could just stop, and it's really difficult to do, is to stop and take a step back look at the business, the expression was used to me is hold the mirror up and what do you see? So metaphorically, yeah, yeah. hold the mirror to the business yeah. and what do you really see? Yeah. What, where are the issues? And get those, just some very simple things, 
what are the challenges? Where do you see those challenges? Yeah. Write them down and then what can we do about them? And going back to what you were saying, Lily, about uh, support for the manufacturer. Um, going back, Russell said, you know, we, we run our business, Mahogany run its own business. The manufacturer there is to supply with products and give you support, but be very clear on what sort of support you want. You don't want them to run your business. We don't yeah. want anybody to run, we run our business. Yeah, yeah but we want to get from them what they promise. So articulate that, write it down and say, yeah. I'm going to give you so much in terms of spend, revenue, purchase so much product. What are you going to give me in return for that? Yeah. Because these are the areas of my business that need, do you have those support areas available? Yeah. I'm trying to identify that. Mm. I found that in my dealings with manufacturers over the years, the emphasis is often on colouring to sell colour. Yeah product knowledge to sell products mm -hmm. and the emphasis on the business side of things is not as strong no. and I've seen two salons fairly close to me in London that recently disappeared and I wonder look at those I mean I know people that are working at both of them and one of them I know was fairly high up in the food chain with one of the manufacturers and I just wonder why, because it certainly wasn't the hairdressing that was going wrong no. for them. Mm. So there must have been other elements put in space. So how, how would a small business with aspirations to grow or, or the, the desire to grow um, set about identifying who might be a good sport for them? I think that I would be tempted to discuss these with my manufacturer. I think working closely with a manufacturer can have an awful lot of benefits, certainly benefited us over the years. Right. Mm only to seek out certain things and to put pressure on them to say, well, I could do with some help on this. Yeah, yeah. And somebody with, within the industry, with hairdressing yes. knowledge, mm. clearly, from what we've been yes. saying, is a, is a must. And then equally for, as, as Nikki mentioned, a small business that might be looking to simplify their processes or might be looking to expand, before they reach out to someone like yourself, Russell, with your consultancy services, is there like a health check maybe or self-assessment that you think they should do and if so like what kind of steps would you recommend that they you know take stock of before they reach out i think it's important to take some time out and look at all the sort of operations that they've got and it's a little bit like when you put a computer system in to mm -hmm. a salon and everybody's got to have a computer system these days mm -hmm. and i can remember when we first did that and suddenly you've got access to hundreds of reports and in the end you end up using about three of them. Yes. Yeah. And it's that reviewing of it. And perhaps think, when you first open that salon door, or you first decided, I'm going to run my own salon, or I'm going to manage a salon, what was it that came to mind? Why did you want to do that? Right. Um, and if yeah. you can go back to that, it's Get back in touch possibly, with your motivation. It, it, you'll have moved away from that because of all the pressures that have been put on, and say, this perfect storm that we're currently in. If you can stand back from that and then say somebody like Russell can give clarity to that and say, okay, tell me why you wanted to open up. Is it the same today? Yeah. What are the headwinds? What are the things that you're finding as challenge? And certainly, I'm not speaking for Russell, he, he could do that, but he won't tell somebody how they should run their business. No. What I guess he would do is look at it and say, okay, you want to achieve this. What are the roadblocks in, in you achieving that? What's mm -hmm. stopping you from achieving yeah. it? Yeah. And, and to do? really drill down into those areas and say okay so how about doing that it'll give some options but i think the the key is for you to execute those options yeah i think there are two i think there are two areas with this as well because it's very specific tangible advice you can get 
So if you believe that you're paying too much in rates, then there are plenty of surveyors who will come and look at your rates and they will review them and then give you what they think is whether that you should appeal against them and they will charge you a percentage of the appeal. Now, oh, to me, that's okay. a very simple no-brainer yeah. situation. Yeah, and who knew you could do that? Actually? And again, with, with, with rent as well, there are yeah. people who will say, okay, well, my landlord's just asked me for this new rent, which is re reviewable now, and there are people who come in and say, well, you know, I've looked around here and I think you're being asked for too much. And they again will fight it and they will charge you a percentage of what they say. Right, okay. Then you've got areas of people like a, a solicitor or somebody in HR that will, you, you pay an hourly fee to advise you if you've got um, something you need to fight or a legal situation. And then somebody like myself, what I've been looking at is trying to help certain people just smarten up their businesses to make life easier for them. Right. And the emphasis is so that they can really concentrate on what it is they really, really do well. Yeah, right too. And they can then move forward with a secure knowledge that they can concentrate on those areas yeah. as well. So it's sort of enabling and empowering. I think so, yes. And it's just, you know, making, trying to make life a bit easier for them. There's a lot there and I am aware of time. We've talked a lot. But yeah. hopefully I found that absolutely fascinating and very helpful. Hopefully our listeners have as well. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Linton, and thank you, Russell. It's been brilliant, and we really appreciate your time coming here to Nikki's lovely home in Richmond. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Good. So I'm Nikki Pope, and together with Lily Cox, we have prepared show notes for you on this week's subject. So all the mentions and some of the comments that these guys have made, we will put in the show notes. So scroll down and read those and follow the links. We would love to hear from you, so why not join in the conversation and tell us what you think of the discussion and whether you found it helpful, uh, if you've got things to add. Email us at info at ihaa.co.uk and we'll repeat that address in the show notes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please do rate, review and subscribe. It helps others to find us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.